And then the response, question and answer 104 is found on page 52 in the black back of the blue Psalter hymnal, Exodus chapter 20. Let us read all of the Ten Commandments. We're focusing on the fifth, but let us remind ourselves this evening of God's law and hear from him in his word in Exodus chapter 20. God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, your son or daughter, your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And then our commandment for tonight, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving to you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The grass withers and the flower fades, but God's word endures forever. The question and answer for Lord's Day 39 is number 104. If you're able, please turn there and let's read the response together. Page 52 in the back of the blue hymnal. Lord's Day 39, just one question. What is God's will for us in the fifth commandment? That I honor, love, and be loyal to my father and mother and all those in authority over me, that I obey and submit to them as is proper when they correct and punish me, and also that I be patient with their failings, for through them God chooses to rule us. It's been an observation of God's people as they study his word and and consider the the Ten Commandments, that the Ten Commandments come basically in two parts. Uh, The first four commandments are taken up in explaining how we are to love and to worship God, vertical relationship to our Lord. The second part, the next six commandments, are taken up with how we are to love our neighbor. And this is where we find ourselves tonight. The beginning of these six commandments, how to love our neighbor. But what is important to realize is that this structure, this love of God, then love of neighbor, tells us quite a bit about how we are wired and how we might live a life that is respectable and honoring to God. See, if we do not know how to love God first, we will not know how to love those around us. 
It is love to God. It is learning how to honor Him. That is the only thing that will allow us to relate to others in the proper way. Love to God produces proper love of neighbor. The the fifth commandment is our first step in that way. It deals specifically with honoring those God directly places above us in the institution which he created, the family. But it also implicitly teaches us that the people of God are to be people who recognize and honor the ones to whom honor is due. It's a commandment that really deals with structures of authority all throughout God's world, not just in the family, but explicitly dealing with the family. Parents, bosses, government officials, our elders, we see that God's world operates with the most tranquility when these relationships are peaceful. But the sinful flesh has a problem with authority, doesn't it? All of us buck against the idea, in some sense, of authority. Even at the Garden of Eden, the main problem was Adam and Eve disregarding God's rightful authority and becoming a law unto themselves. This problem goes down to the most basic part of our human life, the family. The tendency of the sinful flesh to reject what God has given to us for our good and what is continually on display in our world is that most people do not think it is that big of a deal to be disobedient to parents. Rather than parents being in control, what do we see? Oftentimes we see children being in control of their parents, children being in control of the home. Also, our society has uh, had an interesting development over the past few generations of placing a high premium on youth. It is the youth who are most revered in society. We glorify and and praise what might be called the free spirit, right, of young people. And at the same time, sadly, we have had a hard time maintaining a regard for the aged. We have a popular culture whose music and movies and fashion revolve around this idea of sounding young or acting young and looking young. Once again, we see that there is a unique opportunity for us as God's people, right, to show that God has a regard for the aged, to show that God values all of his people of all ages. God's people are to be set apart in this way, in the way that they live within the the authority structures which God has given to us for our good, and in the way that we show that there is this natural pattern of life where, generally speaking, Uh, Those older than us are going to be the ones who have more practical wisdom than we do. God commands us to do these things for our good. Let us then look at this one verse that we find in Exodus chapter 20. Our one verse in Exodus begins with the command to honor. This command is, is a word that can be used not only as a verb or a verbal command, it can also be a noun. So it's the same as the English word for honor. You can use that as a verb, right? Honor your parents, honor your father and mother, or give your parents proper honor. Also, the same word uh, is commanded to be given to both father and mother. Honor your father and your mother. There aren't different words for the way which you treat them. Even though the husband and the wife have distinct roles in the home, children of parents are to give the same 
dignity, respect, honor to both their mother and their father. Just because a husband has a a God-given authority over his wife, that does not mean that the children then get to disregard the word of their mom. Honor your father and your mother. This word for honor means heavy. It means glory when it's not used as a verbal command. It carries the idea of something that is worthy of our respect, something that, is, uh, that we ought to honor well. Reminds us of how we deal with God in the Ten Commandments, how we learn to honor and revere and worship Him. Only God is the creator of, heaven, of the heavens and the earth. Only God deserves our praise and our adoration. Only He deserves our worship. God is so majestic. God is so holy. God is so uh, wonderful that we must take care how we honor him. We are not to misuse his name, right? We must honor the name of the Lord. It is one of great weight and importance. We read in Psalm 29 verse 2, it says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Psalm 66 verse 2 says, Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Giving honor and glory to God is such an important call upon us that we are commanded to set aside an entire day to do it. The proper worship of God will take worshiping him for a day. Without doing that, we would lose the rhythm of being reminded of who God is and what he has done. So it's interesting that this fifth commandment hangs on the same word and a similar idea, giving consideration to the weight of someone that is placed over us. The glory, honor, honor these people whom God has placed over us in authority. This is experienced for most human beings from the earliest stages of our life in the family. The family was created by God to be the foundational unit of all of society. And the family, as we see in this commandment, is to be one built upon God-given authority and submission to that authority. This is how children learn about the way the world works, right? Even from the very beginnings of their lives. The family becomes a child's first hospital, a child's first school, their first Government And even in many ways, the home becomes a child's first church as their parents hold their hand in the most tender of ways to show them and to teach them the faith. We think of places of authority as cold, right? That's kind of the way that the world is, is wired to think about these things now. But the family is to be a place of loving nurture, not a cold place of, of, of hard authority. It's a place filled with more love than almost anywhere on earth. And yet it is ordered via this idea of God's authority that he gives. Thus the family was created by God for security, but it runs on love. The family runs on love. And because this blessing of order and structure is found at the most basic level of our lives, in our families, we see that by it God is forming in us the healthiest of expectations that structure and systems of authority exist all over the place for our good. A child learns within his family that structure, authority, order are good things and from them we can expect the blessing of God. We see that through this, children are taught that God is the Lord of all of life. They're taught about the sovereignty of God. 
They're They're taught about the fact that he is in control of all things. All of these things formed in us through the family. But how? How are children to honor their parents? This is not just for young children. This is for anyone who still has parents. How are we to honor our parents? One of the first ways that uh, we honor our parents is through listening. Listening. We can think of what Jesus taught us this morning in the Gospel of Luke, right? Where he says, take care how you listen. Pay attention to how you listen. And children honor their parents with listening to them carefully, making sure that they pay attention to all the things that uh, their parents are saying. In doing so, you recognize and you practice paying attention to the authority that God has placed within your life. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1, we just read it earlier in the service, says, A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. When you go to a new job on your first day and your boss shows you around and shows you around the place where you're working and explains to you all of your responsibilities, you're going to listen extremely carefully to what your boss tells you. If you're interested in keeping your job, you're going to pay attention. This is someone who has authority over you. You pay attention to him. You want to show your boss that you are paying careful attention to all the things that he is saying. One of the ways that parents honor their children is by, or by children honor their parents is by listening to them. A second way that children honor their parents is by loving them. We listen and we love. When parents have the blessed experience of raising a child from the earliest times of their life, the most tender years on up, they develop a very special love, right? Parental love for their children comes very naturally. You need to hold a baby. There is something that happens there that the love for a, a child grows and comes naturally for a parent. But that love is not so natural going back the other way always, is it? It's hard for children to love their parents the way that their parents love them. We've seen all throughout history evidence of what? Parents who are willing to make numerous sacrifices for their children, to give up all kinds of of comforts of life, to endure trouble and poverty and pain so that they can give something better to their children. Thus, children have to fight to love their parents in the same way, to love their parents in the same way way. This is something which is much easier realized when you have children yourself. If you're part of that middle generation, right, that still has your parents above you and has your children below you. As you realize how much you love your children, you start to realize how much your parents loved you. One of the ways in which children honor their parents is by loving them and asking for God's grace to grow how they love them. A third way that children honor their parents is by being loyal to them. By listening to them, by loving them, by being loyal to them. Or you could say looking after them. It's something that's not felt as acutely now as in the past. We used to not have things like retirement funds and, and pensions and things like that. And so uh, the, the, the twilight years of life are now a little bit different, but there are still many needs which people have And uh, children can honor their parents by ministering to their parents' needs while they are in the twilight years of life. 
It's not just financial help, though that sometimes might be called for. But more important is that a child looks after their parents in emotional and spiritual matters late in life. One of the hardest things for anyone to have to face is realizing that they have fewer days ahead of them than behind them. And sadly, the twilight years of life are often lonely or monotonous. But giving honor to your parents is to look after them in these times. Making regular plans to visit, to extend love and care for them. Making sure that they get to church to be with the communion of saints. In our world, there is increasing demand. Sadly, it's horrifying. Increasing demand for euthanasia, for physician-assisted suicide. Because when you do not see human life as inherently valuable... When you live in a world where there can be millions of, of unborn babies that are discarded, that are done away with, that are killed, you can end up at the place where someone who is towards the end of their life, who is suffering physically, you think maybe they're better off dead than alive, right? We've seen this culture of death proliferating all throughout our world. But that is to say that life is ours to give and ours to take away. What is that? That's blasphemy. Life is God's to give and to take. This does not mean that the sufferings that many people have to endure are not completely atrocious and in many ways senseless and meaningless to our perspective. Oftentimes they are. But just as we are called to honor the structures of authority that God places in our life, so we must honor the highest authority, God. And so we honor our parents by giving them the love that they need in these later years of life so that they are reminded of the purpose which God has for them. The inherent value that is found in their life, which God gives to them as the Lord of life. We do that, all these things, by listening to them, by loving them, by looking after them. It's not as if parents of children get to sit back and enjoy all this authority that God gives to them and, and use it in a tyrant sort of way, Right? It's interesting that in this commandment, there's actually an implicit command to parents as well as children. In all cases of authority, Christians must honor authority, but only insofar as it's in accord with the law of God. If anyone placed in authority over you would tell you to disobey God's law, you are not held to that command. And that goes for any sphere of life, in the family, in government, anywhere. And the command, the implicit command of the fifth commandment, which is given to parents, is are you guiding your children along in a way that if they submit to you, if they honor you, they will be well on their way to honoring their heavenly father. The implicit command given to parents is to rule and manage your household in such a way that if your children are obeying you, they are well on their way to obeying and honoring God. That's the implicit command for parents in the fifth commandment. And going through all of these things, it's easy to see that most of us have some work to do. Most of us are rather imperfect when it comes to all these. It takes serious effort to rewire our brains, right, around a lot of the parts of this commandment because everywhere we turn, the family seems to be under assault. That's one of the ways in which we live in a fairly unique time. The family has probably never been under as much assault as it is today. 
And some might say in the midst of all the problems of this world, in the midst of everything that we see going on, maybe it's not really worth it to, uh, to give so much time and concern for the family. The Apostle Paul would not say so. The Apostle Paul seemed to be utterly convinced that one of the most important things in God's world was that children would be obedient to parents. At the beginning of the book of Romans in chapter 1, Paul says that uh, those who have been filled with defiance to God have been handed over. God gave them up to their sinful desires. He says that these people are many things that sound rather rather awful to us. He says they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. But then he says, disobedient to parents. That ought to hit us like a ton of bricks. Paul puts disobedience to parents in this list. It makes us realize how difficult it is to live in a culture which is so suspicious of authority and maintain a biblical perspective of how serious it is to disobey or to dishonor or to defy your parents. This provides an opportunity to remind ourselves of something of great comfort relative to all of these things. For God himself once had a disobedient son, a problem child, if you will, We read in Exodus chapter 4, verses 22 and 23, God commands Moses, he says, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. Israel was called the son of God. And God bought his son out of Egypt, redeemed his son out of Egypt, so that he would be able to serve him in the land of Canaan. But the problem, of course, is that Israel was not a good son, were they? Israel was not an obedient son. They were disobedient. Israel was God's problem child. They were filled with disrespect and dishonor and defiance. They spurned God at every turn. They engaged in idolatrous and false worship as if they were saying to God, I hate you and I want another family. Disobedient son of God. Did God let Israel wander? Did God disown his son forever? God promised actually the opposite, that he would bring his son back, that he would redeem them. Jeremiah 31 verse 9, it says, With weeping Israel shall come, and with pleas for mercy I will lead them back. I will make them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble, for I am a father to Israel. God promised that he would redeem them, but how? How did God promise to redeem his son? In order for God to redeem his rebellious son, he had to send his obedient son, his obedient son, the one who came for their redemption. Jesus is the one who perfectly in his life obeyed all the commandments, and he obeyed the fifth commandment. It was not just Jesus' heavenly father that he honored and obeyed. He gave honor to his earthly parents as well. Remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he speaking to the apostle John and he makes sure that John is going to take care of Mary, his mother. Not only that, but Jesus was perfectly submissive to all of the authorities that were placed over him. 
He came not to overthrow local government leaders, but humbly submitted to the place in which God had placed him each and every moment. At various times throughout his life, what did Jesus say? He said he came not to do his own will, but the will of his Father who sent him. Jesus said he spoke not on his own authority, but the authority of his Father. He promised his father, even before the foundations of the world, that he would be faithful unto the end of accomplishing redemption for God's people. This is what Jesus promised to do. He was committed to honoring the wishes of his father. Even when he was at the end of his life, stood facing into the dark abyss of his suffering at the cross, he said, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. All that Jesus Christ did for life and salvation, he did as an obedient son, one obedient to his heavenly father, as one who obeyed and took very seriously the fifth commandment and every commandment on our behalf. It is through Christ that we are cleansed and made new and washed from every bit of dishonor, disrespect, and defiance that we have had against our parents. Every, every moment that we as parents have been imperfect, wherein we have disciplined our children unjustly, for all of those things, it was an obedient son who has cleansed us. And because of him, he creates a new people, a new family. He creates his kingdom. And in Christ, we come to see that the promise attached to this commandment, it's a commandment with a promise, very interesting, isn't it? It takes on a deeper and more profound meaning. We read in Exodus, Honor your father and your mother that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving to you. We must first consider that this promise has a meaning that operates on two different levels. This, that it may go well with you and that it, you may live long in the land. The first is a general connection between obeying instruction and life and despising instruction and death. The book of Proverbs is filled with this kind of wisdom. We've seen it as we have made our way through the book. There is a a connection between obeying instruction and life and despising instruction and death. Children who heed the warnings and instructions of their parents will generally live a life where they stay out of trouble and danger. The practical wisdom that parents have and they pass down to their children is one which translates into well-being. We read various examples of this in, in Proverbs. A son must not hang around robbers who wait to do violence for it will cost him his life. Uh, he must avoid situations which can lead to being seduced. He must understand that laziness is the beginning of his destruction. That's the, 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 the earthly level meaning of the promise in the fifth commandment. It may go well with you. There's a connection between uh, obeying instruction and life and disregarding instruction and death. But it's also true that this is not the way the world always works. Perhaps you've felt this as we've worked through Proverbs. Why is it that what, what we read in Proverbs doesn't always seem to be true? It's not true that the righteous always flourish. It's not true that the wicked always get what is coming to them. We must recognize that Exceptions don't change the validity of a rule, but the tension in our mind is not solved, is it? So then what does this promise of God mean for us, especially as we read the New Testament and the promise which Paul makes to the children of believers in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 6, 2. 
Paul reiterates this promise. We've got some pretty intense weather going on, don't we? Paul reiterates this promise in Ephesians 6, and he, he says this commandment. He, he restates this commandment and the promise that is attached to it. Paul is pointing us to the fact that the Christian home is such a special provision of God where children can grow up into knowing and believing the special promises of eternal life in Jesus Christ. We just celebrated it today with the blessed baptism of Aria Grace. The Christian home is the special provision of God. And it shows us that children can grow up into believing the special promises of salvation. Because of Christ, because of what Jesus has done as the obedient Son of God, we are promised long life not in the earthly land of Canaan. We are not necessarily promised that we will have a blessed earthly life, but we are promised eternal life in a heavenly country that God's obedient Son won for us. No matter how long our life is on earth, it is still all too brief, and compared to eternity, what we live here on earth is a mere breath. But children in the church, children born into the church, have this amazing and special provision that as they honor their parents in the Lord, that's what Paul says, honor your parents, obey your parents in the Lord, they learn not just about life on earth, but they learn about life in heaven. That's what the Christian home does, teaches us about life in heaven. As children submit to parents in a God-honoring home, they submit to the authority of the one true God. As they do so, they grow up into a full and a vibrant faith within a safe environment which God has established and given to them. This is the call upon children and adults to seek to honor their parents, to seek to honor all those placed in authority over them. They must look to their Savior as the one who is guaranteed that no matter what, it will go well with us. To seek godliness is never a waste, right? We read in 1 Timothy 4, verse 8, that godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. May we live in thankfulness to God for the provisions which he has given to us, and may we seek his glory each day as we live by faith and look to Jesus Christ, God's obedient Son. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can call you Father. We thank you that the family which you create in your Son and by your Spirit is better than any earthly family that anyone has ever had. But Father, we thank you that you have given the provision of the family to protect us that we might know love on this earth. Yet, Father, for many, the family is a source of great pain. So we pray that you would come alongside them and comfort them, those who may struggle in thinking about family, reminding them that in Jesus Christ, the front door of God's house has been opened, the banqueting table is set, the feast is set before us, and that eternal life as part of your family is given as, as part of free grace that you extend in the gospel. Father, bless us as we go out into this next week. Thank you for your law, that the yoke and the burden of Jesus Christ is easy and it is light. Empower us to live in accordance with that law this week. In Christ's name, amen. Let's respond together in song. We're singing number 409.